preach at other congregations. But we're here today to worship the Lord, and let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all the many good blessings that you bestow upon us every day. And Father, we're so thankful for the congregation that meets here at Google. And we pray that you will continue to bless us and to help us to reach forward and carry your gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Be with us as we worship today. We pray that you'll be with Brother Ken and he'll have a good remembrance of the thing that he has to say today. These things we ask for in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. The first song this morning will be Paradise at 898. Let's all sing. As I travel through life and struggle and strife, I've a glory to give cheer on the way. Soon my soul will be your, and I'll rest on that shore where the night has been turned into day. Up in the beautiful paradise valley by the side of the river of life. Up in the valley, the wonderful valley will be free from all pain and all strife. There we shall live in the rose-tinted garden neath the shade of the evergreen tree. How I long for the paradise valley Where the beauty of heaven I'll see Though your garden is rare It is not to compare With the flowers that bloom In the garden above In the mystery
Let us all pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give thee our thanks for this another Lord Day morning assembly. We're thankful, Father, for these songs which we have sung in thy name, Father. We thankful for every member make up this congregation, Father. We're thankful for the love and care and respect we have for each other, Father. We're thankful, Father, for that watch care over us, being so good to us, and blessing us and directing our paths, Father. We pray for those that are sick, for those that may be homebound, Father, and we're thankful for the live stream that they can watch the service here. We thankful for Brother Ken and pray for him as he brings a message hour. We're thankful for our nation. We pray for our leaders, Father. We're thankful for our elders. And we pray that I'll be with them, Father. Pray that bear a guide in hand in every decision they make. At thee, Father, that would bless us in our efforts this day. We ask forgiveness of our sins after we repent and turn from those things, Father. They were dressed in Christ's name. Amen. The invitation song this morning will be softly and tenderly, 934. The song before the lesson this morning will be Send the Light. Please all stand. morning. Our reading this morning will be from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4, and I will be reading from the New King James. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I whom I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Good morning to everyone. Welcome to our visitors. We're glad to have you in attendance this morning. And if you're visiting from another place, we hope that you'll feel a part of our assembly this morning. We are a very close-knit family, and as was reflected in the prayer, we just, we love each other a lot. And I hope that you can enjoy that as you're visiting with us. If you are part of our community, you just dropped in, give us an opportunity to greet you and get to know you a little bit, invite you to come back. We have a lot of opportunities for meeting together. And if you're new to the Church of Christ, we would love to have a Bible study with you and share what it is that we have found in the Word of God, hoping that that'll be of benefit and blessing to you. So last week, I shared with you a project that some of our fourth graders had embarked upon. Oh, they were hopeful. They put this big blue barrel out there in the foyer and thinking they might get a handful of helpful treats to share with their friends at school. Well, you did what you always do. So by Sunday night, that barrel was so full that stuff was being stacked out on the floor. And I happened to meet Hunter in the hallway there, and he said, you know what? We're, we're probably going to have to empty that, and maybe they'll put some more in it. And I said, you know what? That's a good idea. So they emptied it, and look at it today. It's overflowing again. So I really appreciate the heart that these young people had to care for less fortunate students at school, and I really appreciate the heart of this congregation in responding to the need that they saw. And isn't it great? Doesn't necessarily take an organized effort in order to make a tremendous impact. You have an idea, let's act on it and give the glory to God. I also shared with you several people who were sick at the time And one of those people that's been sick for several weeks was Joyce Morris. Joyce had a stroke, ended up in the hospital. Thankfully, her symptoms were not terribly severe, and now she's back with us today. She's not 100%, but she's here to come and be a part of our assembly today. We're glad for that. And then yesterday, I got word that Martha Eaton had suffered a stroke. And I talked with Harold this morning and he said a lot of the deficits that she had sustained in that have been restored. And so far as he can tell, she's doing better. So we are thankful to God for that, aren't we? Today is 
special simply because it's the first day of the week. So we've come together to worship God in spirit and in truth. But in the midst of that effort to glorify God, we're also having what is for us an extra special day. A day that probably many of us will remember for a long time because it'll be the day that we look back to in remembrance of the installation of two additional elders. So we have four currently, and it came to their attention some time ago that it was important for the welfare of this congregation that the eldership be expanded. And as will be shared with you a little bit later, a lot of effort was put forth in order to prepare the congregation for that, to look amongst ourselves for men who were qualified and who had the desire to serve. And a couple of those individuals have been identified and they will be introduced to you a little bit later this morning. That's impactful for us. Anytime there is any kind of change that takes place in leadership, there's always some uncertainty about what that means There's always, of course, excitement also concerning what that means. But our theme for the year has been reaching forward. And that's exactly what we are aspiring to do. We're not hanging on to the past. We're not looking behind us because that's not where we're headed. We are moving forward. And one component of that is the enhancement of our leadership. And I, for one, could not be more excited than what will be shared today. So we are going to pray about some of these matters that we've been talking about. We're going to ask God to bless us in our study today and of of this period of worship as it unfolds this morning. Will you please bow in prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, thank you for a great day today, first day of the week when we can assemble and honor and glorify you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Father, that our worship is acceptable in your sight. We thank you also, Lord, for today in that it's special regarding the shepherds of this congregation who serve under the chief shepherd. We pray, Father, that you will not only encourage and build up the elders that we currently have, but also to empower and enliven and to equip these two who will be presented to us today. I pray, Lord, that we as a congregation will join together with them in the work that is laid out for us here in Boonville. Help their service to be a joy and not a pain. I help it to be something that thrives and is not bogged down with difficulties, problems, and strife. I pray, Lord, that you will bless us, that we will be a part of what makes this work a tremendous success to your glory. Lord, help me today as I'm sharing some thoughts about the eldership, that I can express them in a way that also glorifies you and It helps us to understand the importance of the work that they do. And I pray, Lord, you'll help 
put into my mind and to my mouth the words that you would have people to hear. And I pray for those who hear them that they'll be able to take what is said and just truly appreciate what it is that you've done to ensure the integrity of your church and to help us spiritually, all of us members here, the flock, to grow in a way that someday we can anticipate being in heaven with you. Thank you for the blessings that come from our time together today in worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position or the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. There are a lot of qualifications right there, but what really impresses me in this moment here is not the fulfilling of qualifications. We have men who are doing that. It's the warning that came in the last two sections of those qualifications. That these men should be not only aspiring to these things and representative of this, to embody these things, but if they don't, that the devil is going to take advantage of the weaknesses that present themselves. It's important that not only these men, the four that we have currently, and the two that we will introduce today, it is important that not only they be initially qualified in these ways, but that these qualifications continue to be upheld so that the devil doesn't take advantage and gain a foothold within this congregation to do his worst. Peter, as a matter of encouragement, says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter felt by inspiration of God the need to encourage elders who were shepherding God's flock. Well, why would that ever be necessary? Well, any of you who have ever served as an elder, and I'm sure this would be true of the four who currently serve, and as a, just as a heads up to our men who are coming on board, serving the flock of God 
can be a real challenge. It just seems like there is an emphasis upon solving problems. You hear all the gripes and the complaints, the difficulties that exist. There just seems to be an overabundance of negativism and so little encouragement and thanks for the job that's well done. I, I could not tell you how much I really appreciate the elder song that Doug came up with to remind us of the elders that we have. I understand that there's going to be now an added part to it. But, you know, Boonville has four elders. They're good men, as you see. There's Jim Estes, Larry Morgan, and Buster Green. And don't forget Tommy Barragona, too. These are our four elders, and they're good shepherds, too. I'm thinking that if I were an elder sitting in the audience after having dealt with problems all week, or tried to lay out a path that I wasn't sure everybody would be good with, and so I have a little bit of stress or anxiety about how the plan's going to be laid out and how it's going to be accepted. I'm pretty sure that on a Sunday afternoon, when I hear all those children singing about how I'm a good elder, I think that'd put a lot of gas in my tank, wouldn't it, you? So Peter reminds us of the importance of encouraging those who are in a position of leadership, of reminding us of just exactly what it is that they do. And if we could encourage them, as much as it is true for us, certainly it would be true for them, the fulfillment of passages like Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... We shall reap if we don't lose heart. Maybe that should be the anthem call of every eldership. As they get together to talk about the plans for the future. How it is that we are going to carefully and lovingly lead this congregation forward. If we will just, no matter the obstacles that we face, the uncertainty that is ahead, if we'll just stay the course, knowing that the Lord is with us, that he is going to bless it. And all of us, should be a blessing. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. What's unprofitable is if we cause them to have to serve in grief, that is, well, you know, here we are, we are sheep and in need of feeding and care, protection, but we're just struggling all the way. How about we just give in and we let them do the leading and we commit ourselves to following as they lead under the leadership of the chief shepherd who is showing the way. Oh, what a joy and service that would be. So I'm just kind of, I don't know, today in my mind, just drawing a line right here. Here's the line that we draw where we say the past is the past. And we could talk about our history and the struggles that have been had and the ups and downs of elderships. But today, if we would just draw a line right here and say, you know what? Okay, here's where we're starting. 
We're starting with the men that we have so much respect for and have been growing with. And now we are adding two vibrant and excited men who are taking also the helm of that position of leadership in our body. And we are moving forward. We're not held back by any of the baggage of the past, but we are starting fresh and we are moving on. What a blessing we will be to them and their leadership. And then as they lead, what a blessing, what a blessing they will be to us. Now, Peter was telling us all of this to help us to understand, to appreciate the fact that these guys are helping all of us get to heaven. So here is the exhortation. Here is the exhortation. Peter says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. I don't know if you've noticed this through your reading in the scriptures, and sometimes you'll see references that are made to leadership. All through the scriptures, the idea of leadership is not really, it's not really narrowed down or singularly focused on a title, but more like descriptors that we have turned in to titles. For instance, uh, you read through the scriptures about elders serving in various places. So a lot of times when you'll read, especially Paul's letters, Paul will initially address the elders that are in the church. Or sometimes you will see the reference that's made to men who are shepherding the flock. Or sometimes you'll see men who are described as being overseers in the congregation. Or as we referenced in 1 Timothy chapter 3, a bishop. And we may wonder now, who are all these people? Isn't it great that Peter, of all people, brings together every single one of those terms to describe the function of one group of people, the leaders in the local church. First, he refers to them as the elders who are among you. And by the way, he says, I'm one of them. I'm an elder too. The word elder is an interesting one. It comes from the Greek word presbyteros. Uh, Sometimes, especially older translations, will even have the word presbyter there. That word actually describes someone who is mature. It doesn't necessarily define what age maturity is, but we get the sense of it, don't we? A person who has experience, a person who has a depth of knowledge that isn't just the housing of the knowledge and not just simply the understanding of it, but by experience is able to make the application. Isn't that a great quality in our leaders? They don't know just the facts or the black and white of it. They know how to address those gray areas that we often find ourselves in because they have experience in the handling of the word and in dealing with people. The second word that he uses here in this text is the word shepherd. And that comes from the Greek word poimen. Shepherd means probably what you think it means. It's a person who in an analogy is shepherding over a flock as a shepherd would 
care over the flock of sheep. So in this application, here is the leader, the shepherd, and we, the church, are the flock. Another word that's translated from the same word poimen is the word pastor. Now, unbelievable. A lot of times when I'm out in the community, someone will find out that I'm a minister for the Boonville Church of Christ. They'll say, hey, uh, pastor this or pastor that. And I'll be, whoa, wait a second. I'm not one of the pastors. I'm a minister there. And they look at me like, what? Where'd you come from? Huh? They had in their mind that pastor is reflective of the work that I do, a presenter of the word, a preacher. Actually, scripturally, that's not the person being referred to. The pastor is the other term, shepherd. That shepherd is the one we've already seen as elder or leader within the congregation. Another term that he used here in this text is the idea of being an overseer. That comes from the Greek term episkopos. Overseer, or as I mentioned from 1 Timothy chapter 3, bishop. Now that describes not not just the maturity or the ability to care for somebody, but it has the idea of organization or planning. So here's what I get just from that simple description of these people. Peter says, I'm one of them, and we can certainly see it in Peter, but what would that mean for the general class of men who are described that way? Well, it is somebody who who has maturity, who's got their feet on the ground, who's well-grounded, who can delve even into the gray areas of life, who has a discerning spirit about them, who loves the people that he serves like a shepherd would love the flock, even to the extent that he would risk his own life for them. And then a person who with that care and concerning and wisdom and feet on the ground is ready to move forward, has a plan and an idea of where the Lord wants to carry us. What a great thing. Now, we're mentioning Peter as he is kind of putting himself within that same realm of leadership. And I go back in my mind, maybe you've done this already, but I go back in my mind to that moment that seems to foreshadow all of this. And that is that moment also when the Lord was drawing a line in the ground where it was that Peter, now I I know what you've done and I'm not even going to name it. We both know the mess that you just made, but let's just draw a line in the sand right here. Let's let the past be in the past. And I want to talk about your future. I want to talk about how you are going to be a blessing. This comes from John chapter 21. And we're going to look specifically at verses 15, 16, and 17. Most often what we deal with in those verses is the interchange between Jesus and Peter about love right? If you love me. And it just grieves Peter as he's going through the change of words that takes place there. I want to skip that part. And I want to look at the foreshadowing that takes place here. Because Jesus three different times foreshadows the work that Peter's going to do with God's sheep. He tells him, in fact, if he does love him, that he's going to feed his lambs that he's going to tend his sheep, that he's going to feed his sheep. 
Three different times, Jesus alludes to the fact that, you know what, Peter, there might have been a, a lot of baggage behind us, but I got stuff for you to do now. So let's just draw a line right here. Let's begin to equip you for the work that you are going to do. And you're going to take care of those sheep. You're going to take care of my lambs. I trust you. What would that entail? Well, if you're going to care for people, you're going to care for the whole of it. And so generally, as an eldership, our, our elders, our shepherds, our overseers, they're going to be about the business of seeing to it that we are fed the Word of God. And I love what Jesus says, just as a beatitude in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. And I would ask, how am I filled here? You say, well, can I come and I hear, I hear sermons preached. Okay, the preacher was sought out and hired by the elders. You say, well, yeah, okay, but uh, we have Bible classes, and a lot of those Bible classes are conducted by just, you know, general members in this congregation. I can even think of those who teach Bible classes aren't even, aren't even deacons even. Or maybe there are some ladies' classes taught by women. So, you know, there's that, yes, but, you know, all those classes are sanctioned by our elders. You say, well, we've got a youth program that's going... Elders... We've got uh, all kinds of distribution of material. We, we've got tracts back here. The elders didn't write those tracts, no, but they've overseen the distribution of those tracts. Everything that happens with regard to the teaching that takes place in this congregation, if you are hungry and you want to be filled, guess who is there providing? You say, well, it's the Lord's word. Hey, peace, yes, yes. Yes, you want to say the Lord is filling you up? Absolutely. Okay, great. But right there, seeing too the distribution of that nourishment spiritually, who have been duly authorized to see to it that you get a proper filling by the Word of God is your elders, your shepherds, your overseers, the bishops. It's important that a shepherd sees to it that the flock knows where to go. You know, is leading them along in this progression. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 10, verse 23, you know, well, oh, Lord, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Man, man would go in any number of directions, just whatever seems right to him. And here we are again, our elders showing the way illuminating a path. You say, well, it's the Lord's path. I hope so. I hope so. But they are God's instrument, God's, God's tool within the body of this congregation in order to give direction to those who otherwise would not know where to go. The way of man is not in himself. What about the dangers that exist? Turn your television on. Read any kind of publication today, practically, you will see all kinds of assaults on at what at one time seemed like such absolute truths that no one would ever accept them. But today, everything is questioned and tossed out for something new. Who is going to be there to protect us? Who is going to stand in the gap and fight? 
Well, among others will certainly be our leaders. In fact, you will remember in Acts chapter 20, specifically at verses 28 and 29, Paul is now addressing the Ephesian elders and trouble is coming. In fact, in verse 29, he warns them that from themselves, from those elders themselves, we're going to come savage wolves who are not going to spare the flock. But previous to that, he's just encouraging them. Tend the flock of God which is among you. Take care of them. And then in the capacity of doing so, when those savage wolves arrive, you'll be ready for the defense. I love the warning that Paul saw, saw important to give through means of the Holy Spirit. And then, to me, the, maybe the most precious thing of all is what's described in just one of those little stories that Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 15. You know, he'll begin with the woman who loses one coin out of ten. He'll end with the story of the prodigal son. The father has two sons. One goes away. One is lost. You know those stories. But, but the one that's sandwiched right there in the middle, that's, that's the one that's appropriate for us today, right? It is a shepherd that has a hundred sheep in the sheepfold, but one is lost. He does not say, well, I've got 99. That one, you know, he was reckless. He should have known better. And now that he's out there, it's dangerous. Why? If I went out there to find that one, I might fall prey to something myself. And then what will happen to the 99? So I better just stay here. That is not what happens. There is so much love and concern for the one that has gone astray, one that has left the safety of the sheepfold, that the shepherd will secure the 99. Oh, he's not leaving them without care. I'm going to secure them. And then he will leave the safety of that sheepfold and he will go out until he finds the one that is lost. It is the desire of the eldership of these shepherds to see to it that all of us are saved, that all of us receive the nourishment and the protection and the necessary care in order to see heaven someday. I don't know about you, but I could, I could not be more thankful for the elders that we have now. I'm privy to things that most of us are not. I sit in meetings with these men. And every single time that these men meet, the very first thing that they do, not the last thing, the very first thing that they do is review the concerns of this congregation. Who's sick? Uh, who's, who's amiss? Who needs attention? Taking care of the flock of God is a priority. That is, well, that's the exhortation that Peter gave. But now, what is the explanation he gives? The explanation, because he gives, he gives some positive insights, and then he gives some negative insights. He says when they serve, it's not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. What? What, what does all that mean? It, it sounds like that there's still, even, 
in the role that they play, the potential that there could be a bad attitude in there somewhere or that maybe they become misguided or over time they become dejected and frustrated and now they only think of themselves. Peter warns against that. And he says, when you serve, don't do it by compulsion. That is, don't do it because you feel like you have to. Because somebody who feels like they have to do something won't do it for the right reasons. They'll do it because they felt like they were pushed in a corner or forced into it. He said, don't serve from that standpoint. Not by compulsion, but willingly, voluntarily. You know what? It's like I have, and and we did this, did we not? We spent months and months talking about the qualifications, going into great detail about what that means. And over the course of this, these men have been thinking about it and digging and struggling and wrestling with, am I this? Am I not this? What fault do I have? How can I overcome over and over? Every time we hit a new topic, I'm sure there was a new depth of concern. But through all of that, Finally, we have some who say, you know what? I'm not coming at this because I feel like I have to do it. I want to do it. And that is how that text began, right? In 1 Timothy chapter 3, those who desire that office, I want to do this. I'm a willing participant. I'm a willing servant of the congregation that exists here in Boonville. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. I I, want to just take out the whole notion that somebody would ever serve because they thought it was a money-making business. Listen, this is not a lemonade stand, okay? But the idea would be, if I get in that position, maybe there's something in it for me. That is not what God has called the shepherd to do. The shepherd has put himself in a position of service to the flock. The person who has maturity is mature because he's not been thinking of himself all the time. He's been putting others first. The person who really plans for the future realizes that he's not going to get there all by himself. Then in order to get there, he is going to have to employ and involve everybody as we are moving forward. Not for dishonest gain, he says, but the attitude is to do it eagerly. And so I get back to our theme for the year. We are reaching forward. It should be the mindset not of, let's just keep the same old, same old. You know, let's just the status quo. No, wait a minute. Ken said we're drawing a line right here. Uh, We're forgetting about our baggage of the past. We are moving forward for some good things, for the greatest time that God has ever seen in the Boonville Church. A time of love, as was indicated in that prayer of cooperation, of unity, of people working together for the glory of God. And as a result of that, that becomes attractive. That's real. We can, we can experience that because the, the attitude that we have. Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, not being lords over. You said, Ken, you mentioned a moment ago, Hebrews 13, verse 17. That taught about them as rulers. See right there, they are. They're lords over. Well, another translation for rulers there, maybe you had that in your translation, is the idea of leader. The person who leads doesn't dominate, 
doesn't beat down leads. In fact, he qualified that, right, with the positive expression of it, to set the example. But here's what I want us to get, and please don't miss this. It would be easy to set those two in in contrast and say, okay, I get this one because of what this one says. Don't miss the part that's right there in the middle. Nor is being lords over those or leaders of those who have been entrusted to you. Several years ago, it's been five years, Kyle Wigginton, he came to me, he said, I want to marry your daughter. I was like, wow, that's great. Because really up until this point, we were just, we wanted to push him. I mean, we, we wanted Kyle so bad. What a great guy he is. But when he presented that to me, I said, Kyle, up until the point that anybody marries my daughter, she is my responsibility. So ever since she was, well, in her mother's womb, I've been thinking about this day. And here's what I've been thinking about. I spent all this time from when she was born through her growing up years, her adolescence, her teenage years, protecting her, providing for her, seeing to her education, making sure that she was physically cared for, taking care of her medical concerns. I have been the one. The buck stopped with me. I'm responsible for her. So you're asking for her hand in marriage. That means that what has been entrusted to me by God, you want entrusted to you. So what I have to ask you is, are you ready to take the responsibility that I have had? Are you going to be the man who sees to her care? Are you going to protect? Are you going to see that she has what she needs? Are, are you going to be there for her in the dark times, the good times? Are you going to be the man that will take serious responsibility of that which I am now going to entrust to you? And of course, since they've been married for five years, you know he said he would do that. But that's what I think about here. How, how does the Lord love us? How does the Lord love his flock? Wow. He died for her. He died for all of us. So, elders, I just, I just want you to grasp here for just a moment the fact that when you became an elder, when you said, yes, <clears throat> I'll do that, what you were saying to the chief shepherd was, you can entrust the care of your flock, of your people, to me. You can trust me that I'm going to see to it one way or the other, that I'm going to provide them what is necessary to get them to heaven. Not being lords over those entrust you, but being examples, which then means not only, not only am I teaching that, but I'm setting the pace. I'm setting the example. So today, I guess 
as like the ultimate illustration. Today, I'm going to have our elders, our current elders, come up here. They have some things to share with you, and then they are going to introduce to you two new elders who are going to become a part of the leadership of this congregation. As you'll notice, uh, Brother Larry Morgan is not here today. When we made these plans for today, we were hoping that he would be here, recovered from his surgery, but that didn't happen. But uh, he is with us in spirit. As uh, Ken has already told you several years ago, we recognized the fact that this congregation needed additional elders. If we were going to continue to grow and to prosper, we needed new leadership to help us as we move into this, this new era. Two years ago, we started a process of identifying people, identifying the men who would be leaders in this congregation. As you know, uh, we had a class on leadership that Brother Ken uh, taught in a, here in the auditorium, started out as a three-month class, ended up as a six-month class. One of the results of that class is that we were able to identify several men who had a desire to serve as elders. We are truly blessed in this congregation because in the future, we are going to have some great elders that will be coming on in the next few years. But today, we have identified two that are ready to serve at this time. Two weeks ago, I stood before you and introduced to you the name of Aaron Foster and Todd Sweeney to serve as elders. The congregation has had an opportunity to express its opinion over the last couple of weeks. We have received a lot of opinions. Everyone that we've received has been positive. We know of no scriptural reason why these two men could not serve as elders of this congregation. Aaron and Todd, would you join us on stage, please? We are so thankful that they are able and ready to accept the responsibility of being an elder of the Boonville Church of Christ at this time. And I will let each of them say what they want to to the congregation. Following that, Brother Jim Estes will lead us in prayer of thanksgiving for these men. Tommy made sure that he told both Todd and I uh, only a couple of sentences are allowed. Uh, I think he was more worried about me than Todd, maybe. Um, as I was praying this morning and as I was thinking about this day, um, what came to my heart was how much I love you 
and how much my family loves you and um, how much you as a congregation honestly have uh, the love you poured out for us. And so I'm, I'm extremely humbled to get to serve you now in another way, in another capacity. Um, in my prayer this morning, and it will be continuous, is that we will, and I know we will, always abide in God's word. And everything we do, I pray, will always be to God's glory. Thank you so much, and um, I think I just want to make sure you know how much I love you. Not to be uh, repetitive of what Aaron has said, but over the last couple of weeks, several of you, or a lot of you, have come by with encouraging words, and I know you have with Aaron as well. And all I can do is be thankful for the opportunity that the elders and, and you of the congregation, the faith uh, and confidence that you've shown in myself and Aaron. Uh, anxiety, I hope, is a part of this because I feel a little. It's, it's, it's something new, and, and it's a big decision. It's a big step. Uh, but I ask not only that you keep the entire group of elders uh, in your prayers, especially uh, myself and Aaron, as we make this big adjustment that, that we may bless with the knowledge and decision-making and the patience to, to be successful at this and continue to watch our church family grow. Thank you. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, you are so wonderful and we love you. We are aware of your infinite wisdom and we know that you have directed congregations of the Lord's church to be overseen and shepherded by elders. And we pray, Father, that the Boonville congregation's selection of Todd Sweeney and Aaron Foster to be added to the eldership is pleasing in your sight. We ask your support and blessings on both Todd and Aaron as they take on this new role in your kingdom. We pray, Father, for their understanding of your word and for them to have the courage to constantly stand in obedience to your will. We thank you, Father, for their love of the church, and we pray for your providential help as they shepherd the flock. We ask your blessings on their family and seek your help in withstanding the wiles of the devil. We pray for the love and support of the Boonville congregation for Todd and Aaron and the entire eldership as we seek to worship and serve you and as we seek to fulfill your son's mission here on this earth. Father, we pray for the Lord's family here in Boonville. We pray for a good relationship within the eldership, between the eldership and the ministers and other staff, between the elders and the deacons, and between the eldership and the congregation. And we pray that all of us will be examples of love to one another. 
We pray that our work together will yield much fruit for your kingdom in the generations to come. Father, we pray that you would continue to bless the Boonville congregation. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Boonville has six elders. They're good men, as you'll see. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This is not the glorified crown of a king sparkled with diadems. This is the incorruptible crown of glory, eternal. God's blessing on his earthbound servants. The chief shepherd, when he appears. In John chapter 10 and verse 15, here's what our chief shepherd said about the sheep. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus died so that you could live. In this congregation, that same desire, the salvation of every soul, is at the forefront. Everything that we do has its design in saving souls to the glory of God. Maybe today there's somebody who's kind of with us and drawing this line and saying, it's time to move forward. You've been a child of God, but you've consistently fallen back. Today is a great day as we begin a new era in this congregation to let go of your past, to repent of your sins, to confess it, and to come back. So if you're a child of God today and you need to repent, you have an opportunity to do that. If you're not a child of God, if you've not obeyed the gospel, today also gives you an opportunity to start fresh. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith, you can be buried in water, have your sins washed away and rise up out of that water a new creation. Perhaps there's someone who needs to respond today. Why don't you come forward now, begin anew, while we stand together and sing.
before the Lord's Supper this morning will be When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. serve you. 
This morning, I would like to take a look at just two verses, if you want, or two areas of scripture. If you would like to turn to John chapter 6 and chapter 15, that's where we'll be taking our subject matter. We come here every week and we have the bread and we have the wine, right? So why do we have the bread and why do we have the wine? Um, I think that's something for God to answer, but I, I kind of think I might have an idea. When Jesus was in his ministry, he had, uh, was walking, got on the other side of the sea and uh, some of the people that were around there, they found him over there. And uh, uh, when they come and they found him, uh, they were asking how did they get there and everything. And, uh, but when they uh, he started questioning, Jesus called them out and said, the reason why you're, you're fine, uh, at looking for me is not because of what I, what I, I, I have for you as far as for spiritual life, but because of the food. And uh, when Jesus told them that, they kind of challenged him, well, didn't uh, God provide us uh, bread in the wilderness? And, of course, Jesus said Moses didn't provide that. God provided that. Um, and he also told them to not to work for food that perishes, but work for the food that lasts forever. Then they mentioned, um, well, and then, uh, sorry about that, um, but then um, uh, Jesus said, I just said that, I'm sorry. The, Jesus said Moses didn't provide that, and then I was supposed to read verse 33, I'm sorry. Um, verses 33 through 35. Jesus said to them, truly, no, I'm sorry. For the bread of God is not the one that comes from, down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said, then they said, sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What I, in a very poor attempt there, tried to, to convey was don't search for things that is going, the, the word that's going to perish, but search for the bread that lasts forever. And then Jesus makes the bold statement that says, I am the bread of life. We come to this part of the worship and we partake of the bread. And I believe that's where Christ is reminding us that he is the bread of life. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can partake of this memorial that reminds us of your son's life and death here on this earth. And as he mentioned, the, the bread that lasts forever and that he is now reigning from heaven uh, forever. Heavenly Father, as we partake of this bread, we, may we remember the words of Christ and what his intentions are for us. This is our prayer in your son's name, amen. fruit of the vine. Why that? Why not water? Why not Kool-Aid? There's a reason for it. Jesus in chapter 15 said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So he's already talked about the word, and the word's made us clean. But then he says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. It's kind of hard to be, bear fruit if you're not part of the vine. It's kind of hard to remember, be part of that producing of fruit if we are not in Christ. Is this the reason why he wants us to remember this every week? Finally, in chapter, in verse 8, my father is glorified in this, that you produce, produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to remember your son's death on the cross and the shedding of his precious blood for our sins, we recognize that this fruit of the vine represents that blood and that blood uh, keeps us uh, connected to you, that we have fellowship when we partake of this together. Heavenly Father, be with us as we partake of this memorial. And last save us in heaven, we pray in your son's name. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. Pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, as we give back a portion to thee, help us do this in a cheerful heart, cheerful manner to spread thy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I'm going to take advantage of my time up here to be the first to uh, thank Aaron and Todd for doing what they're doing. It's very highly appreciated, and I know I speak for um, the rest of the congregation. I'm pretty sure of it, so thank you. We um, have 358 people here this morning. That's a good number. That's 42 away from 400, but you didn't know I could do that. A few announcements. Um, let's see. Everybody does have a bulletin, but for those uh, that may be watching uh, on YouTube or, or whatever, uh, mainly for your benefit, um, the Landmark Nursing Home today, uh, will, there'll be a devotional at 4 o'clock. Um, all Wednesday night adult classes will meet in the auditorium this Wednesday night. Terry Smith of Strickland will give missions report on Uganda. There will be a meeting of all Lads to Leader event leaders and any adults who would like to help with Lads this year next Sunday evening, that's September the 10th, following classes. Please make your plans to be there. Tuesday, September the 12th, there will be a Golden Circle luncheon at 11.30 in the Annex. Coming up September 22nd through the 24th, Rush at Freed Hardeman. The cost is $40. All 7th through 12th graders are encouraged to attend. Sign in the foyer if you plan on attending. See Melanie Swinney if you have any questions. Those are all the announcements I have at this time. If you would, please stand and we will be dismissed in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank Thee for everything. Thank You for us waking up this morning to Your beautiful creation. Thank You for enabling us to see it and live in it. Father, we thank Thee for the church. We thank Thee for the structure of the church, for its rock-solid foundation that keeps everything in line for your direction. Father, may we continue to learn daily the keys to proper living toward our time in eternity by thy word. May we always strive to please thee and forever do the right thing. Father, we're so blessed. Father, we love thee so much. Thank you for sending your Son and our Savior. He died for us. He gave us the greatest gift. May we never, ever underappreciate what has been done for us. Father, we pray these things in your Son's holy name, Jesus. Amen.